Wolf, get away from those sheep. Bollocks. You're listening to the Wolf and the Shepherd podcast. Broadcasting from Fort Worth in the great state of Texas. Now, get ready for this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Welcome to this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Today we have with us Nir Bashan. Nir, so glad you could join us today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. This is going to be fun. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, Now, you're, I think, best well known for your book, The Creator Mindset. It must be popular because even the shepherd had heard of it. I have heard of your book and, <laughs> yeah. and I've only read what now four books. Cause yeah. you made me read this book. I felt like it was yeah. a school assignment and that was really not very nice of you to no. force me to read. I made him read the Bible twice. This is like really go. only the third book you've actually read. You've read four books, but one of them twice, but you told me that counted. Well, it does count. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I, watched a few summaries on YouTube because I didn't have time to read a book over the weekend because I had my son and he allows me to get maybe about 15 seconds at a stretch. So going to the bathroom is interesting. I know that well. Now, um, before we start on your book and part of my research here, I found a website, the creator mindset, 63 tools to unlock the secrets to innovation, growth and sustainability. Now, every other link I found said 92 tools to unlock. Now, the book with 63 only got four stars in reviews, but the one with 92 got just under five stars. So I'm assuming there were a few important ones they missed out. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so what happened was when we were putting the the book together, um, the different editing stages of the book had different amounts of tools in it. And so what ended up happening was towards the later um, edits or whatnot, more tools came about. And McGraw-Hill has to put out a title of a book almost uh, just about a year before it's published. And so a year before it was published, you know, looking through the manuscript or whatever, it was 63 tools. And then we started to do more edits and get really into the the nuts and bolts of the different chapters and it whoop, it creeped up. So it's at 92 right now. But you know, who knows? If we do another edit, it might be 93. Right now, it's 92 tools. Yeah, I mean, that's more tools than I have in my toolbox at yeah. home. And well, I've got one of those big stand-up toolboxes too. I don't even think I have 92 tools in there. Well, no, you've got one spanner on level two. I've seen it yeah. in the garage, yeah. But that's the one I use for a hammer also. Yeah, that's true. Now, um, I actually thought the reason was that once the publisher had given you a firm deal that they were going to pay you per point you could come up with. So it yeah. not went up like 30 overnight. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, no, it's it, it's a it's a editing uh, sort of thing that that pops up sometimes on on books. And listen, I wanted to do like 101 tools, and my editor at McGraw was like, absolutely not. I was like, why? It has a nice ring to it. Like, let's call it the creator mindset. You know, 101 tools to help you become more creative. She's like, are there 101 in there? I said, no. There's 92 now. You know, with all the edits that we've made, the final book is going to have. 92 and she was like absolutely not uh, not 101 yeah but 92 but that 101 does have that nice ring to it it's it like does. 101 ways to do this and 101 ways to do that but i will tell you if i see something and it's going to take me 101 steps i just don't do it 
You're out. It's just too many steps. We saw a guide, a self-help guide online actually a couple of months ago and it had 20 steps and we did a podcast on it. We went through it and, you know, I think it was number eight and number 16 snuck in about another 25 additional steps right. just in those two. I mean, we were a little bit overwhelmed with 20 steps. We were going to quit by step nine. Yeah, you don't have but, any yeah. you don't have any steps in there or tools rather in there that like it's a multifunction tool, right? You yeah. know, like a leatherman, it's like, okay, here's here's like tool number sixty, but it's really like twenty tools all in one. I mean right. that that's a sneaky way not. of well, writing. Yeah. Yeah, these are tools, they're not steps, right? So it's it's about kind of mastering a couple of them and using them in the real world and seeing if they work for you and if they don't then you you toss them out and you use the others like uh i think the uh your tool chest is a really good example right so there are certain tools for certain jobs that you need to to use and then you know you kind of leave them in there and they collect a bit of dust while other more pressing issues come up so these are really tools that you can use whenever you want to become more creative i just I don't know. I got so tired of, of all these books out there about creativity. And, you know, most of them were talking about, you know, oh, you know, find your, align your chakras and, you know, meditate for six, 15 minutes every day and practice yoga and you'll be more creative. That's all cool. And, and it's good. If it works for you, then go for it. But this is like my, my, my manual is like just con concrete hardcore tools that'll help you in your business today. You don't have to, you know, ring a gong every morning and, you know, uh, meditate and, you know, try to stretch by being upside down or something like it's not about that. It's just about the practice of creativity. Sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think one thing when people kind of like look either towards self-help books or books to kind of guide them in an area where they're not particularly that strong in, they seem like, oh, well, I don't have any creativity. How is a book going to give me creativity? Now, admittedly, there are people out there, however fantastic your book is, it is not going to help because some people have no bloody creativity whatsoever. Yeah, the two of us yeah. included. Well, no, I mean, we've recorded almost 100 podcasts. Oh, we that's true. Creativity. Oh, that's just, creative. Just a yeah, little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. So... I mean, do, do you approach the teachings you do in that, look, maybe a dozen of these tools are going to get you where you need to be. Some of you might just be missing one or two vitals. Some of you might need 90 of them. Um, but how do, how do you normally do it? Do you try and do a one size fits all or just adapt it to your audience? So I believe that everyone was born creative. And then at some point in life, it got beat out of you right? So maybe your teacher beat it out of you, or maybe school or whatever happened to you, we just become less creative. I have a four-year-old who gets, you know, toys on Amazon and, you know, the box comes in and he rips it up. He takes the toy out and plays with the box for two hours. And I'm like, what, what the hell happened to us, right? So I think at some point we've lost touch with that sense of a world that can be not a world that is. We lost sense of a world that can be, not the world that is. And so we spend all of this time as adults, you know, oh, let me look at a PL sheet and that will tell me what's going on. Or, you know, let me, uh, you just lose that sense of wonder, that sense of possibility. And when he sees 
a box. He sees like a castle and then it's a gas station and then it's a spaceship and then it's a, you know, a hiding tool where he can go and try to cover it up. And like, I see a box. I'm like, man, I have to fold it up, cut the thing, put it in the recycle bin. You know what I mean? Like what happened to us? Right. Right. And so it, it's like, I, I don't know. I feel that we're, we were all born creative and somewhere along the, the road, somewhere along our path, we've lost it. And so this, this project, this book, uh, and my message is really about rekindling that inner creativity that we all had as children. And, and like Tristan said, I think some people just need a little push in the right direction and a couple of different things. And they're like, yeah, I remember. Cool. Let's do it. And some people are so far gone, man. I, I, you know, I, I do a lot of speaking, a lot of keynotes, a lot of workshops, and I, I just did one a couple of weeks ago where we had, you know, a group that was so out of touch, right? They were just like, all we do all day is, is look at Excel. All we do all day is, you know, try to make predictions based on yeah, cash flows and, and where we're going and how to partition a certain market. And I'm like, guys, that, that's really important. But have you looked at it creatively? Have we started to unpack the things that have been established to look at something maybe a bit differently. And, you know, they were just like, what, you know, like we don't do that. We follow a process and the process works and all this stuff. And so it was more difficult to introduce a new way of thinking. But by the end of the, of the talk, I think they got some sense of, Hey, we can still follow the process, but ask a few questions along the way. And you, you guys would be surprised at how many mindsets in business today are not flexible. They just look at process and protocol and they follow it. And my methodology helps people unlock that sense of wonder, that sense of questioning. And that's, I think, incredibly important today. So going along those same lines and the book being called The Creator Mindset, what would you say to some of those guys out there or gals out there that are running a business or are in kind of that C-level suite, that uh, director-level suite, whatever you want to call it, that might say, you know, I'm in a business that really isn't about creativity. You know, I'm in the electrical business. I'm in the plumbing supply parts business. What's so creative about this? How can a book like yours apply to somebody like that that says, you know, I'm not out there doing content creation. I'm not creating art or music or whatever, because most people in those, like you say, spreadsheet jobs feel like there is no creativity there, that it is a nuts and bolts. It's a numbers on a spreadsheet job. So every single career on earth and every single thing that somebody does, like, like you two, right? You guys are doing a podcast. There's a damn good reason you guys are doing this, right? It is some form of answering to who you are and who you need to be. And what we do is we spend our life running away from what it is that we really need to be doing because we're like, I got to make money or I, you know, grew up in a prestigious family. I got to join this country club, whatever it is, every different sort of person has different barriers that prevents them from doing what they need to do. And so that plumbing supply company, I, I work with a lot of blue collar, you know, sort of sort of jobs. I work with uh, people in the financial sector regularly because those are the most, you know, spreadsheet logic and and 
you know, flowchart oriented people. Um, to them, I say that you absolutely can be creative. And not only that is you need to be creative. Um, I did a, uh, uh, a consulting gig with uh, a disaster restoration company, right? There's, it's like the furthest thing from being creative, right? What do you do? You show up, grandma burned something on the stove, there's a fire and you show up and you help them fix it, right? A new drywall, paint, whatever needs to get done. And so th these guys were in a strict way of working for 30 years, right? They did, they came in, they quoted, they did a job, they closed like, I don't know, 6% of everyone they quoted. And I said, well, that really sucks. Do you guys like that? They're like, no, we want to get to 8%. And, you know, 8% is where we want to be on closing. I said, okay, have you looked at your billing or your, your uh, invoicing model? And so they started to look at it and I said, why don't you guys allow the homeowner or whoever had the disaster pick like an a la carte of what they wanted to, to do or not do. And they were like, well, the business doesn't work like that. We, you know, we don't do that and blah, blah, blah. Why, you know? So I said, let's just try it on a, on a sub market, right? We, we tried it, I think on a couple dozen uh, different calls and lo and behold, people, people did it, right? And we figured out the amount of money so that the, the, the charge, so that, you know, if they just picked the drywall service, right? It wouldn't, it wouldn't equal what the old invoice amount was. But if they picked the drywall service and this and the other things, then it would actually produce more money. And that's being creative, right? That is super creative. Looking at your invoicing model and saying, you know what, I got to change things up a little bit, super creative. What ended up happening is that they were able to sell more work because they were good and they were good at customer service and this kind of thing. And so people ended up ticking off more boxes on the on the available services than they would with an a la carte, with a, a lump sum model, right? So the a la carte model changed the paradigm of their lump sum 30 year history. And that is incredibly creative. And that is the kind of thing that we need to do a little bit more in business to become more creative and to really extract meaning and, and opportunity from our work. Yeah, I think there seems to be a little bit of a issue with the word creative because it assumes that you've already achieved something. It's a bit like the word talent and it automatically puts this pressure on you. And so when you ask somebody to be creative, they feel if they don't come up with something which gets the admiration of everybody else, they've already failed. But sometimes, you know, a creative process comes in very small steps with contributions from different areas. And when you put them all together, that then is a catalyst for something else. Again, I think a common mistake is somebody comes up with an idea, but because they might not have the knowledge or ability to be able to see that to fruition, they quit on it rather than, you know, this is a great idea, but you know, I need somebody else maybe to manufacture this or do this. Now, with that being said, do you think groupthink and brainstorming in businesses where you get a group of people in a room all expected to contribute actually destroys that creativity because people don't want to speak up and they don't want to feel like oh everybody doesn't look like they're about to stand on the tables and applaud and you know i'll sit there and i'll turn and i'll look at susie who i saw doing a crossword at lunchtime who couldn't get the answer to box makes a good pet susie you put cow you don't belong in this meeting 
so I know that was a long way to phrase it, but do you think it kind of uh, dampens creativity, groupthink, rather than actually promoting it? It's a really good question. I, I just wrote an article for uh, Thrive Global, you know, Ariana Huffington's new, uh, they, they, they asked me to write about introverts because there's a lot of introverts at work, right? And introverts are not generally the ones that are going to pop out and be like, I've got an idea, but there is a creative realm again, right? Creativity is something we were all born with. And whether you're an introvert later in life, an extrovert, whether, you know, you have your own podcast or whether you, you know, would never ever do anything like that. You don't even have social, you still have uh, an ability to contribute. And I feel like this group think, or, you know, um, workshops where you get together and you kind of whiteboard sessions and that are incredibly valuable, but they have to be run in, in a certain way that is sensitive to the sensibilities of the attendees, right? So sometimes, the, you know, you get a bunch of extroverts in a room. Yeah, you can draw out and get a bunch of ideas. Sometimes it's about an email chain. Sometimes it's about, you know, hey, send me a text when you have some ideas and we'll text back and forth. Every single person has a different way to manifest creativity. And that is very, very important to understand that there's no one side fits all for this stuff. You got to approach everything as it comes in and really come up with a, a methodology that works for that particular case. I mean, look at you guys, right? So it's, it's you, Tristan and Max, and you guys came up with a podcast uh, together. Like, how did that come about, right? How did you guys sit down and go, you know what? We're going to come up with a podcast. We're going to call it The Wolf and Shepherd. You guys are incredibly successful, right? Would that be a, a, like a group thing? Did you guys get together in a conference room and kind of draw it up? Did you text each other? I, I mean, how did that come about? Well, to be quite honest with you, I forced him to do it. Uh, so it, it was my idea and he fought me on it for what? About a year, I think. Uh, so, you know, we're basically a year behind on the podcast. I mean, we just got our fancy new camera, what, a week ago? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we kind of looked at it that, you know, it was something that we were thinking about doing. I was thinking about it more than he was thinking about it. But uh, we're both kind of on that side where... We got a lot of ideas. We consider ourselves creative, I guess, but we run into that, you know, bringing it through to fruition or do we want to go ahead and put it all out there without that knowledge of whether or not it's going to knock it out of the park? I mean, I'm, I'm sure we were both disappointed that after day two, Spotify didn't come to us with $100 million and say, you know, hey, you're, you guys are the next Joe Rogan. We're just going to fire Joe Rogan and just hire you guys, you know. But I think there's a lot of people out there that don't want to go through the grind, right? They they just want to say, hey, here's this success. Yeah, yeah. Here's this deal. Uh, they see it on Instagram, like you know, some girl has pictures of herself and gets paid millions of dollars just take pictures of herself. But they don't understand. It took them a long time to get there. They didn't just create an Instagram account and overnight have you know 100 million followers and get all of that. So kind of going along with that. What advice would you give somebody that has that creative thing in the back of their mind that, you know, they think there's a lot of instant success out there, but of course, you know, just as well as we do, there's no such thing unless you win the lottery. And that doesn't even necessarily mean that you're going to have instant success because lots of lottery winners lose all their money, right? But that guy or gal or, or small group of people that 
they're a little bit worried about their creativity. Maybe they don't have that self-confidence that, hey, we've got this great idea or whatever. What's some advice that you could give them to, to give them the little shove, you know, that they need to go ahead and give it a shot? So I talk a lot about the little victory, and that's a really important thing, right? So the little victory is about breaking down your goals into small and manageable steps. And when you are able to break down your goal in the small and manageable step, you have a better chance of actually doing it. Um, I think we live in a world that is saturated with the get rich quick thing. Um, I, I know it. I'm in a field with other books about creativity that came out this year that are literally like, hey, follow my process and you're going to get rich by next Tuesday. The, the thing is, if, if you or any of your listeners know anything about that, please call me because I want to get rich by next Tuesday also. I really do. That, that's awesome. My, my methodology is the get rich slow program, right? It's all about putting one foot in front of the other. And when I talk to people who are like, hey, I, I want to try this idea, but I don't know how, it's really all about putting one foot in front of the other. And, you know, the race is really not for the swift. It is about having really small, measurable goals and just putting one foot in front of the other, hitting that goal, going to the next one, going to the next one, going to the next one. And what you might find out is that the goal that you were setting out to accomplish might just be a little bit different, but incredibly better than what you originally tried to do. Why? It's because the market has different forces upon uh, creativity and different enterprise that might change the direction. I'll, I'll give you guys a story. There was a ice cream salesman many years ago who sold ice cream machines. And his goal was to sell a bunch of ice cream machines. That was his goal, right? He was like, that's my big victory. And his little victories were basically like, you know, I'm going to, I don't know, volume. I'm going to call and email or do whatever needs to get done to sell a bunch of these machines. And he was doing all right for a while, but like any business that's not creative, it just kind of plateaus. And people always wonder, you know, well, we need to be more efficient. Why are we flatlining? Blah, blah, blah. It's because they're not creative. And what ends up happening is, you know, they, they kind of plateau for a while. Maybe they come up with a new product. Maybe they don't. And then they die. That's it. The life cycle of a business is either growing constantly or it's, it's dying. There's no, no middle ground here. So this guy noticed that there was a, a certain restaurant uh, in Southern California that kept ordering machines and ordering and ordering. And he was like, why are they ordering machines? And so he, he decided to have a creative idea. Remember, his goal was to sell a bunch of ice cream machines. But then he had a, a creative idea to go down to the restaurant, take a look around and see what's going on. He gets there. There's a line around the block, right? 45 minutes. People were waiting in line. So he's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'll wait in line. Let's see what this is all about. He waits in line, gets to the front and has the best cheeseburger he's had in his entire life. I mean, this is like the best cheeseburger ever. And the guy's name was Ray Kroc in the restaurant with McDonald's. Had he just have stood and said, you know what? I, I want my instant gratification. I'm going to go for my main goal. I'm going to sell a bunch of machines. It's going to be great then, you know, we would have never heard of him, right? But he instead took an opportunity to be creative and to think a little bit different and to kind of follow an idea that he had. And what you have is the biggest restaurant chain in the entire world. So those little victories are really what it's all about. 
And if you're doing this podcast, right, and you want to be the next Joe Rogan, that's, that's awesome. But you notice I attract a lot of people that talk about creativity and enterprise and business. Maybe, and my listeners want that. Maybe the road isn't Joe Rogan, which is kind of general, right? Maybe the road will change a little bit for you guys. And that road is still incredibly meaningful. And instead of getting, you know, this big brand to sponsor you, maybe it is an HP or a, um, you know, a Microsoft or someone like that to go, these guys are awesome because they talk about, in, you know, something that our audience needs. And is that lesser? Is that a, you know, a lesser goal than your original? Absolutely not. But if you stay flexible, you stay creative. And when you stay creative, you're open to opportunities that would have never happened before. Now, going back to your McDonald's story there, if that guy's still alive, somebody needs to get him a drive through cheeseburger and let him eat it so he can see how the quality has gone down since uh, day one. <laughs> yeah, that is true. But going back to your example with your son using the empty box and playing yeah. with the empty box and maybe in his head thinking it was a spaceship or although SpaceX has kind of ruined the image of what a spaceship should look like. No, no, that was Bezos. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. Bezos, yeah. not SpaceX. Yeah. Yeah. A wiener in space. So, but the, the whole point is that children see something and even if it's not something, they can make it into something with their thought and they can come up in their mind with a convincing enough narrative and, you know, kind of live action role play that it becomes that for them in their mind. And it, you know, the, really the item, it's just a visual spark, which ignites that fire in their mind. Now I do want to say the box thing doesn't work with my son because I made the mistake of letting him watch seven with me on the couch. So now if he sees any random cardboard boxes laying around, he just runs away from them screaming. But you know, it's kind of funny, though, that you bring up the cardboard box deal. Talk about creativity. I bought a Traeger grill. And when you get that grill shipped to your house, they tell you to be careful cutting the outside box off because on the inside, they printed like a little log cabin. And so you flip the box around and tape it together and your kids have a little cabin to play in. So, That's cool. I mean, I mean... Mm. It's cool, and I, I initially thought that too, right? But then I thought, when I was a kid and, you know, parents get the new fridge, you're supposed to draw the stuff on there. <laughs> That's the creativity part, right? So even though it was creative on Traeger's side to do that, it kind of took the ability away for the kids to draw the door and draw the window and all of that stuff. They just kind of did it all for them. Hey, here's where you cut out the window. Here's where you cut out the door. You know, put a little dog on the side. So yeah, yeah. but you still got to act out the parts. You I mean, still you've got to castle. You know, True. I, mean, I mean, like I was saying before, even a regular cardboard box you can make into anything from a spaceship to a house to a castle, whatever. But it's what's going on in your mind that really gives you that enjoyment and that fulfillment. And I think towards that end that in business, they need to find a way to reward creativity, which isn't life changing because your idea might just be that spark for somebody else. Your idea might be before it's time, you know, it might need a few more people with, you know, greater vision and resources to come along in five years to run along with your idea. But there does need to be some way within a business environment that, not only do you kind of like ask for creative input, I think a lot of businesses do, but find a way to reward it if it's, you know, not going to make difference on a big scale, even if it's something that, you know, this is a much more efficient way of, 
you know, producing quarterly results and we're producing a lot of our stuff now in graph form because all, you know, 90% of our, you know, shareholders want to see is has the price gone up or down. We, they don't need six sheets of figures because they're not going to read them anyway. They just want to see the bottom line. So, I mean, even small steps in creativity can lead to fulfillment and happiness for a lot more people. I guess we just need to find a way where it's commonplace and not just pointing at somebody being old as one of those creative people and, you know, communicate. Perhaps everybody has something creative. I'm still not going with Susie doing the crossword. She can't think worth a crap. But, um, you know, that m most people, even if they don't consider themselves hyper-intelligent, can, hyper can just come along with, you know, something which gets the ball rolling on things, you know. Yeah, definitely. And and we need more of it, right? And it's it's an essential essential society skill. It's not just about business, right? It happens to be that we live in, you know, the greatest country on God's green earth. And the way that we practice free enterprise here is a model for, you know, for the world, right? We 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 have a system where a really, really good idea can blossom into something that is amazingly beneficial to society. Um, you know, I talk to uh, everyone from medical field all the way to the disaster restoration people, and they tell me, "Near, ah, we're not making a difference. We're not curing cancer or anything." I'm like, yeah, but you're enabling an environment where somebody's home can be restored to where it is, and when it's restored to where it is, they feel more comfortable. And when they feel more comfortable, they might go to work and come up with an idea. You don't know what the people do. I mean, sometimes you do. Maybe they're a teacher, and maybe that day they touched a kid because their house is in order, right? And their kid uh, in the classroom that they had a, uh, you know, that they touched um, grows up and cures cancer. So how do you know that what you've done hasn't had that effect? And how do you know that just because you're in this type of business, you don't have that kind of effect on people? You don't. When you think creatively, everything that you do, every word that you say, every motion and, and initiative that you put out there has the potential to affect millions of people. Right. And in a lot of people don't, they're like, ah, you know, I just have a small business. I I'm a dry cleaner. Like, no, you're not, you're not a dry cleaner. You pr produce something amazing for people to be able to look their best and feel their best. And when they look and feel their best, they're able to affect somebody in a, in a good way. I, I did a nurse's, um, uh, webinar, uh, or so. And they were like, "Near, we're nurses. Okay, we get it. We we care for people. We're in the nursing business." I'm like, "No, you're not. You're in you're in the communication business, right? If, if anybody, if any of your listeners have had the misfortune of being in a hospital lately, I have because I had appendicitis. I mean, it's not a big deal, but you know, I had spent a few days there. The nurses were the hub of communication for the whole damn thing. That's what they were. I could, dude. The doctors came in. I didn't know what the." they were talking about they were like oh yeah the uh, laceration is uh, blah 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 with the stitching of the you know and they, i didn't know i don't know that field right but i do know the nurse going they're going to take you down to surgery right you're going to lie there for a bit the guy's going to come he's the anesthesiologist he's going to say this after that you're coming back to the room your wife will be able to come into the room for a few hours but she has to wear a mask like they were the communication hub you will be taking this medicine at this time and when I told them that, they were like, yeah, we're, you know, we're the communicate. And we've just lost sense of how important our work is in the wheel of life, right? The, the How important our particular cog is in the wheel of life. I'm hoping somebody listens to this show today 
and they go, you know what? I just had a really great idea. I want to do A, B, and C, and I think it will really affect people in a in a great way. And I think that is our life's work. Just you know, substantial and very much important. And that's why I am on this mission to to help people become more creative, no matter what they do. Because when you're able to be creative, the lives that you touch and the amount of goodness, right, you can put out in the world is is incredible. And so I think it's really important. So before we sign off, there's a, if there was one thing that somebody could take away today, right, before they go read your book and all that, if there's one little thing they could change right now, like you say, they're listening to this right now and they've got this idea, what's that just one little catalyst pointer you could give somebody to maybe flip that switch in their mind to say, you know what, I didn't think about it that way. Let me give that a shot. And once they give that a shot and they realize, hey, you know, that work, maybe I need to pick up this dude's book. I would look at, and thank you. I hope you pick up the book. It's a really good read. It's short. It's really, really short. It's meant to be read in just a few hours. And I, I hope, and I'd love to hear what you think about it if you if you get a chance to read it. But basically what I would hope that somebody would learn is that there is no issue that happens in your business or your work that is beyond questioning. And there's no issue that you should look at and accept as is. Just because you've been doing billing the same way for 30 years doesn't mean you can't change it. Just because you've been offering said product or service for certain years doesn't mean that you can't change it. Every single thing that you look at in your business or in your career has the ability to change no matter what you do. If you're in middle management and you're like, Nir, my boss doesn't listen to me and I can't get any ideas across, then you could change that. You just need to believe and understand that you're a creative person and that there's nothing that isn't worthwhile and uh, in your ability to change. It might not manifest itself in like a raise or your boss suddenly <laughs> understanding you or you being like, wow, that guy's great or that gal is amazing. It, it might not happen that way, but it will happen in a different way. Because if your ideas are genuinely that good and if your initiatives are that good, then they might change in a different way and things might happen that are tangentially related. Understanding that every action might not have a direct reaction that through creativity, there's kind of the rule of tangentialness that happens, that things aren't always A to B, B to C. They're sometimes A to J, J to L, L all the way to C. And then finally to B is an okay thing. So understanding that not everything is linear in your career and, and not everything has a cause and effect relationship is an incredibly important creative tool. Now, before you go today, can you give the shepherd a rendition of I'm forever blowing bubbles because I want to look, see the look on his face when he doesn't understand why you're singing the song. Are you a hammer? No, I'm not, but no. I grew up in England. So in, in, in East London <laughs> I, or no, well, actually about an hour outside. My mum was actually a West Ham supporter. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. She, she grew up in a uh, East Ham. Yeah. So, cool. But, yeah. Are you, uh, well, who do you follow? Uh, Man United. <laughs> Oh, he's gone. <laughs> How do I log out? Yeah, you just out? upset him. Um, um, uh, your mom was West Ham and your man you? Yeah. Can yeah. we unpack that for a bit? No. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, at the time, when I first started supporting Man United, I mean, they hadn't, I think they'd won one thing in like about 15 years. So I certainly wasn't jumping on the glory train, but that was one more thing than I think West Ham had won in about the previous 50. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. no, I was a bit uh, disappointed that West Ham didn't end up buying Lingard actually, because he did so well for you guys. And I don't think he fits in well at United, whereas, you know, he could be a hero at West Ham. He fits really well into the system. I think Moyes gets the best out of him. Yeah, he, he, he's something, man. And we, we had a really good season. I'm hoping that we can continue it. I, I just, football has changed so much and the amount of deep pockets you need to truly compete in the Premier League is is just, it's changed the game, you know? And there's very few English-owned clubs anymore that are are competing, if you, yeah. if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's happened to the last, the last holdout? Yeah, I mean, I think... Leeds, when they came up last season, I think they spent round about 80 million just to buy a squad to stay in the premiership. You know, that's what it takes just to not get relegated now. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. It's going to be, I mean, I can't wait. When does the season start? August 14th, I think? Yeah, somewhere around that. Yeah, second second, second. weekend, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be good. I'm really, uh, really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, cool, man. And you, gosh. <laughs> if I would have known that, I wouldn't have done the show. <laughs> hey, um, I'll get you more listeners because we've got more fans worldwide. Than oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one stung a little bit. That uh, one stung a little bit. Well, uh, Nir, tell us how people can get a hold of you, how they can get a hold of your book, all that good stuff. Give us your 30-second to one-minute commercial. Cool. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a it's been a blast. Um. Everywhere on the internet, just Google near N-I-R, Bashan, B-A-S-H-A-N. Um, or my name is nearbashan.com, uh, my website. Uh, the book's called The Creator Mindset. You can get it anywhere. It's at Barnes & Noble all over the country. It's in Dallas. You can go pick it up if you want a hard copy today. Uh, you can order it online. Again, I'd love to hear what you guys think. My, my info is on my website, and I get emails about two, three times a week from all over the world. People are like, this is the worst piece of shit I've ever read. I mean, some of them, uh, but some of them, some people love it, you know? So I hope you're in that later, that latter category of, of loving it. Hey, what's that old saying? You know, there's no such thing as bad press. It's still press or something like that. So, yeah. you know, if somebody's complaining about it, at least they're reading it. And of course, on our website, we'll have all your contact information and a link to reach out to you and some information about the book. So, Nir, thanks once again for joining us, and that will do it for this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd, and we will catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd podcast. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, thewolfandtheshepherd.com, to your friends and colleagues. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes when you get a chance. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for additional content. Join us next time for another episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Ooh.